welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit. And no matter how chaotic the times are now, and no matter what may come, remember that the power of the divine love that is within us all can accomplish its purpose in our individual, national, and worldly affairs. Because love is a real power and energy, a weapon that will always conquer hate and defeat the darkness whenever individuals choose to tune in more often to their inner worlds of love and light and tune out the superfluous distractions of the outer world, those that cause negative thinking, hate, and worry, and focus more on the divine power of their own, mighty I Am Presence. But when Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, that is the spirit of the living God in us, our mighty I Am Presence. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He wasn't idly speaking. He was speaking reality. Because love is law. Love is universal. Love is powerful. And love matters. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, The plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding, 
you will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Matthew 13one 29 and 36-40 primeval institutor of sun worship, cannot be called the founder of the dualistic system, neither was he the first to teach the unity of God, for he taught but what he had learned himself with the Brahmins. And that Zarathustra and his followers, the Zoroastrians, had been settled in India before they immigrated into Persia, is also proved by Max Muller. That the Zoroastrians and their ancestors started from India, he says, during the Vedic period, can be proved as distinctly as that the inhabitants of Massilia started from Greece. Many of the gods of the Zoroastrians come out, as mere reflections and deflections of the primitive and authentic gods of the Veda. If now, we can prove, and we can do so on the evidence of the Kabbalah and the oldest traditions of the wisdom religion, the philosophy of the old sanctuaries, that all these gods, whether of the Zoroastrians or of the Veda, 
are but so many personated occult powers of nature, the faithful servants of the adepts of secret wisdom, magic, we are on secure ground. Thus, whether we say that Kabbalism and Gnosticism proceeded from Mastianism or Zoroastrianism, it is all the same, unless we meant the exoteric worship, which we do not. Likewise, and in this sense, we may echo King, the author of the Gnostics, and several other archaeologists, and maintain that both the former proceeded from Buddhism, at once the simplest and most satisfying of philosophies, and which resulted in one of the purest religions of the world. It is only a matter of chronology to decide which of these religions, differing but in external form, is the oldest, therefore the least adulterated. But even this bears but very indirectly, if at all, on the subject we treat of. Already some time before our era, the adepts, except in India, had ceased to congregate in large communities, but whether among the Essenes, or the Neoplatonists, or, again, among the innumerable struggling sects born but to die, the same doctrines, identical in substance and spirit, if not always in form, are encountered. By Buddhism, therefore, we mean that religion signifying literally the doctrine of wisdom, and which by many ages antedates the metaphysical philosophy of Siddhartha Shakyamuni. After 19 centuries of enforced eliminations from the canonical books of every sentence which might put the investigator on the true path, it has become very difficult to show to the satisfaction of exact science, that the pagan worshippers of Adonis, their neighbors, the Nazarenes, and the Pythagorean Essenes, the healing therapeutes, the Ebionites, and other sects, were all, with very slight differences, followers of the ancient theurgic mysteries. And yet by analogy and a close study of the hidden sense of their rites and customs, we can trace their kinship. H.P. Blavatsky It was given to a contemporary of Jesus to become the means of pointing out to posterity, by his interpretation of the oldest literature of Israel, how deeply the Kabbalistic philosophy agreed in its esotericism with that of the profoundest Greek thinkers. This contemporary, an ardent disciple of Plato and Aristotle, was Philo-Judaeus. While explaining the Mosaic books according to a purely Kabbalistic method, he is the famous Hebrew writer whom Kingsley calls the father of New Platonism. It is evident that Philo's therapeutes are a branch of the Essenes. Their name indicates it, Asiah, physician. Hence, the contradictions, forgeries, and other desperate expedients to reconcile the prophecies of the Jewish canon with the Galilean nativity and godship. Luke, who was a physician, is designated in the Syriac texts as Asiah, the Essen or Essene. Josephus and Philo-Judaeus have sufficiently described this sect to leave no doubt in our mind that the Nazarene reformer, after having received his education in their dwellings in the desert, and been duly initiated in the mysteries, preferred the free and independent life of a wandering Nazarea, and so separated or innazarenized himself from them, thus becoming a traveling terapata, a Nazarea, a healer. Every terapata, before quitting his community, had to do the same. Both Jesus and St. John the Baptist preached the end of the age, which proves their knowledge of the secret computation of the priests and Kabbalists, who with the chiefs of the Essene communities alone had the secret of the duration of the cycles. The latter were Kabbalists and theurgists, they had their mystic books, and predicted future events, says Monk. Dunlap, whose personal researches seem to have been quite successful in that direction, traces the Essenes, Nazarenes, Docythians, and some other sects as having all existed before Christ, they rejected pleasures, despised riches, loved one another, and more than other sects, neglected wedlock, deeming the conquest of the passions to be virtuous, he says. These are all virtues preached by Jesus, 
And if we are to take the Gospels as a standard of truth, Christ was a metempsychosist or reincarnationist, again like these same Essenes, whom we see were Pythagoreans in all their doctrines and habits. Iamblichus asserts that the Simeon philosophers spent a certain time at Carmel with them. In his discourses and sermons, Jesus always spoke in parables and used metaphors with his audience. This habit was again that of the Essenians and the Nazarenes, the Galileans who dwelt in cities and villages were never known to use such allegorical language. Indeed, some of his disciples being Galileans as well as himself, felt even surprised to find him using with the people such a form of expression. Why speakest thou unto them in parables? They often inquired. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given, was the reply, which was that of an initiate. Therefore, I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. Moreover, we find Jesus expressing his thoughts still clearer, and in sentences which are purely Pythagorean, when, during the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Give ye not that which is sacred to the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, for the swine will tread them under their feet, and the dogs will turn and rend you. H. P. Blavatsky Now the great angelic host have so much to give, and when you use ascended master consciousness, do not forget that that contains the pictures of the divine plan that always brings you happiness. The divine plan cannot contain discord. It cannot contain failure. The divine plan of the mighty I am presence, either your own individual life flame or that of the great central sun, cannot and never did contain any imperfection. Therefore, it cannot produce suffering for anybody or anything. So, let's skip this hypnotic suggestion to the people of the world, that in order to go on the spiritual path you have to go through all kinds of suffering and torture. That's ridiculous. How would a God being of eternal power and perfection and beauty and love design a divine plan that would produce suffering for its creation? You would make the God presence of life dependent on evil. And while we're on that subject, let's get rid of the idea of an original sin. It's nonsense, no intelligence in it. Everything is purified in the beginning. And when the great God presence of life has created a planet and placed upon it the blessings of the powers of nature, and given mankind the creative ability, then if something is thrown out of balance, it's not the fault of the great source that gives all. And that original divine plan contains happiness for you, happiness for all, mastery over evil, mastery over life, substance and energy. I want you to feel freedom tonight, for we shall take up one quality after another of the powers of freedom, and as you dwell upon the use of these powers and you demand a sun presence of the power flame of each quality, you will find your problems no longer appear. And I am just as practical as your beloved Saint Germain. Applause. Thank you so much, precious ones. The ascended masters and cosmic beings are the only really practical beings in the universe. Mankind is not very practical, else they would never have turned away from the light. You know, I think I'll get modern. Laughter. I'm going to be very realistic. You know, that's a very popular word right now. You must be realistic. Laughter. You bet I'm realistic. I'm as real as reality is, and I am reality. And the power of love I bring is reality, and the divine plan is reality. 
So let's get rid of the unreal for a change. Mankind's discord is the unreal, never was the original divine plan. And I think it's time suffering stopped. I think you agree with me. Applause, audience rising. Thank you so much, precious ones. Won't you be seated please? Beloved Archangel Michael. Now as we move into outer conditions certain activities of the sacred fire to reorder some of mankind's experiences, we want you to be at peace. You keep demanding your invincible purity to hold control of everything in you and your world, and wherever you can, bring encouragement to the people of the outer world. The masses of the people are struggling under confusion as well as discord that is almost more than they can bear. So, you are a magnet. You are like the great central sun magnet wherever you go, to pull upon the attention of the people and give them the encouragement, and the picture of the power that draws them out of their distress and shows them the goal of attainment. And all the people who have professed to follow beloved Jesus and completely forget the ascension, they did not get much of his message. And except for the love which he constantly pours to answer every call, they would still be in the chains of the dark ages. Now we have come to bring the light. Mankind must awaken, human beings must be purified, the powers of nature must be released from mankind's discord. And so we depend upon you. And if you're going to correct conditions here, you're going to need power to correct them. So, when you have to handle conditions of the outer world that are discordant, call forth your invincible protection first around your outer self and your affairs. And then call the power flame of any ascended master quality, the sun presence, a cosmic sun presence, and that means a sun presence that enfolds the world, a cosmic sun presence of the power flame of ascended master control. When you call that into a condition, you make the call, and your presence and we project the flame, and you go on your way. So, wherever you go, you can call that into outer world conditions, and set into action the constant purifying, raising power to life wherever you abide. And if you begin to purify and set into divine order the conditions around you as you pass through them, automatically you call in and around yourselves a world of that same perfection. You cannot give perfection without having perfection come back to you. So, the angelic hosts are awaiting your use and call of their power flame, their revealing power flame that not only reveals to you what you need to know but reveals their presence to life, everywhere. Beloved Archangel Michael,